To see a Jackie Chan movie, basically more than any other performer since possibly Buster Keaton, and maybe after that, maybe a little bit of Fred Stare, when you watch a Jackie Chan movie, you want to be Jackie Chan. everybody and welcome to the newest episode of Real Early. I'm your host, Larry Sternshine. On today's show, I'm joined by music video, commercial, and motion picture editor Chancellor Haynes. Chancellor becomes the first person I've interviewed who has won an MTV Video Music Award. Recently, Taylor Swift won Video of the Year for the song Antihero, which he edited. It was just one of many classic videos for Taylor Swift that he has worked on. He is also the second person I've had on that has worked on the film Detention. I was excited that he wanted to come on my show, and talking to him was a blast. We spent time discussing how the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and Power Rangers formed his love of action cinema, stories about working as a film projectionist, and just how defending the film Torque on the Internet Movie Database message boards led to a long friendship with film and music video director Joseph Kahn. And yes, we do spend a little bit of time talking about working with Taylor Swift. All this and more on the latest episode of Real Early. All right, Chancellor, thanks for doing my show, man. I really appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having me, man. So as I'm recording this now, we had just gotten into November. And as people who listen to my show knows, every November I do this thing called Woovember, where I celebrate and give thanks to action movies. And I know you love action movies. And yes. I'm going to ask you just, just to put you on the spot and you know answer however you want. As you know, Wu Member is named after John Wu, and I'm assuming you've seen a few John Wu movies in your time. So, what is your absolute favorite John Wu movie? I'm gonna say Face Off. It's okay. My favorite John Wu movie. Um, it was bouncing between that and uh, Mission Impossible Two for a while. I know the favorite is always Hard Boiled, and yes, I do love Hard Boiled, but I'm just taking it from a point of all around filmmaking, sound design, you know, Hollywood production value, plus Hong Kong style filmmaking. I feel like you get everything in Face Off. Yeah, Face Off is a special movie. Uh, there's just uh, nothing like it. And, and yeah. uh, you know, just that whole combination of Travolta, Cage, and Wu just kind of makes it special. What was, <laughs> the first, what was the first time you saw that? Was it theaters? No, I don't think I saw it in theaters because, yeah, it was, I was younger and I couldn't see radar movies. Uh, I didn't have anyone to take me to them. Uh, I'm sure people can get into them pretty, you know, quite easily, but I'm pretty sure I saw it the first time on DVD. Um, I think the first John Woo movie I saw in theaters was Mission Impossible 2. I think it was because I was working at a movie theater when it came out. Possibly. Yeah, but um, but yeah, uh, face off. I saw it first time on DVD, and yeah, I, I, I wore that DVD out, watched it so many times. <laughs> yeah, you and me both. I uh, I remember uh, getting to see that a couple times in theaters, and uh, one time I I took a girl to see it, and I don't think she liked it as much, and that should have been key, like clue one that this wasn't gonna be the one for me. 
You know? Yeah. If she was like really into that movie, I'd been like, "Oh, let's marry her." But no, exactly. She wasn't, <laughs> she wasn't into it, which is fine. I mean, that was what ninety. I was like freshman in college, I think, at that point. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm old. Uh, <laughs> so uh, you are uh, an editor, is what you're mostly known yes. for right now. And yes. recently, as some people who don't know, like your career, like you edit a lot of music videos, so you were. At the VMAs, the MTV Video Music Awards. Now, mm-hmm. for me, I grew up on MTV, like, in the 80s. So, like, when I started. And I remember those first VMAs. All right. So, that's, like, embedded in my DNA. Was was MTV something that you had growing up uh, when you were young? Yes. Uh, although I didn't have cable. So, the only way that I could watch MTV or, or even BET was when I visited my grandmother she had cable so it wasn't embedded into me as far as you know uh easy access all the time um but you know by the time i got to high school um i was well aware of music videos and was into them so uh i I just didn't have it at the ready and you know just turn on whenever i wanted to growing up because i just always imagine those events just being crazy because they're like basically parties but like yeah but like well uh run parties because you know they got yeah. a lot of you know was it was it was it uh like your first time was it your first time there this year or were you there well actually the that was my that was my second time at the vmas um i went back to uh 2015 um for uh bad blood okay. which yeah. uh i was nominated for um but i just you know i was just in the audience so just my wife and i and then uh joseph found the director and some of the VFX people, they were there too. So we had like a nice party afterwards. But um, it was kind of a precursor to the crazy year that was this year. But I mean, still the VMAs are always fun because, you know, it's like, it's like one big concert slash party, you know. I, it looked like you had one of the best seats in the house too. So, you know. Yeah, I can't complain. I had a very good view of uh, everything. <laughs> so did you know that you were going to go up on stage at some point? to even get to talk? Was that a surprise to you or did she tell you ahead of time? She told me only the day before that she was gonna bring me up uh, if if she indeed won. And so, um, but I didn't know that I was gonna get a chance to actually speak because uh, we were just anticipating possibly her best direction uh, win. Um, and so I know I'd be you know beside her with the DP, just kind of there with her and, I, and that was cool. But then when she won the video of the year, when she let us speak, that was that was a surprise and a, an honor because uh, she told us afterwards that she did that because she's tried to do that before, but MTV would cut after her speech, so yeah. she let us go first. Yeah, so. that I thought that was uh, it says a lot to me about the kind of person she is to to recognize that like the stuff that she does in these videos, uh, it just doesn't appear obviously uh i mean having rena yang up there too like the dp and and it's really cool too uh just to see um the behind the scenes stuff that like goes into these things because you you know you don't always see that kind of stuff so i think that was pretty pretty cool i think yeah she's she's super generous she like she definitely appreciates her crew she definitely you know um admires the hard work from all of us and just she wants to you know pay respects and recognition to the people that are in our court and 
I I went and watched it again today, uh, just because I was like, oh, I want to get this a little bit fresh in my mind. And, uh, you know, I thought it was really great that you had the opportunity to to thank your uh, your wife and kids. And how has your family been supportive of you? And like how I'm sure they're important, but just how important is your family to your success? Oh, well, I mean, 100 percent. I mean, uh, I mean, I met my wife when I first moved to L.A. and I was uh, a P.A. Uh, and I was struggling trying to I didn't even know I was going to edit back then. I was just trying to get into the filmmaking business, you know, by any means necessary. Any, I was like doing grip jobs. I was doing PA jobs. I was doing whatever I could get, you know. And then, um, you know, when I met, when Joseph Kahn kind of put me into the editing path, it's kind of when my career started to take off. So, so my wife's been there with me when I was four. So <laughs> she's the first shout out all the time. Yeah, I, I, I think that was uh, really cool to do that. And, you know, one of the things that I think about when I'm doing my show is just sort of like the relationships and how they like have impacted people. And it sounds like, yeah. you know, that having her with you to support you really kind of must have given you that drive to really succeed in the business. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Uh, so let's 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 start at the beginning then here. Uh, where were you uh, born? What, what where are you from? Yeah, I was born in Michigan, uh, Wayne, Michigan, but um, grew up in Detroit and some smaller towns like Westland, uh, Inkster, which people may not know of those smaller towns. But uh, yeah, I grew up in Michigan, moved around a lot. Uh, by the time I was in fourth grade, um, my mom and I moved to Texas because uh, she was pursuing some school stuff there. So uh, I pretty much grew up the majority of my like half of elementary and all of high school years in Dallas, Texas. So all my family's in Michigan, but I lived most of my early years in Texas. Okay, yeah. So I know a lot of people from Texas, and they, they do like it down there. Did you enjoy living, growing up there? Was it good for you there? I did. I mean, you know, when we moved out there, it was a huge culture shock, and I wasn't, I wasn't cool with it. But then I started to really enjoy, you know, the Dallas area because, I mean, there was, it was a lot of fun things to do out there. And, you know, um, I, I love how, like, the weather was always like hot, warm, and you could just like summer all the time, which is for a kid that's fun, you know. It, it got a little, uh, got a little annoying, you know, during the Christmas season when it was like eighty degrees on Christmas Day. But <laughs> every now and then, yeah. I could go back to Detroit and get some snow, so I didn't really miss it that much. Yeah, that is, <laughs> that is a good point. You, if you if you didn't get the snow, you could just go back to to Michigan where there's plenty of that. Plenty for of sure. it, yeah. <laughs> Uh, so this was uh, the '90s that you probably grew up in, then, right? Yeah. You because know, I I know I'm a little bit older than you are, so it's just fine. I love having <laughs> I love having people who are younger than me because I you know keeps me young. Too. Yeah. Uh, so was uh was your mom was she really into to movies at all? Was that her she thing was, she did? She was so no, my mom was uh into movies only because I was obsessed with them. Um, I mean, growing up, she kind of had a, a rule where I only get an hour of TV a day. She was she was one of those strict moms. But then towards the latter part of my high school years when I started getting more into like trying to edit things with two VCRs and shooting my own little fun uh, makeshift Power Ranger videos on my own, she actually uh, let me watch a little bit more and sure. was getting more into it, you know. So uh, 
no, she 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 definitely was hundred uh, percent like supportive of my my career career choices. So when you were 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 uh, a kid, was it was probably mostly just uh, antenna, right? So like you were watching a lot of kid shows. Was that like your what what yeah. was what 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 what, what got your imagination up? What was the first thing we were like, oh, and you were just like, I have to like watch this like every day. Hundred percent. I remember the day Power Rangers premiered. Uh, I was obsessed with that show. Uh, I, that's where I learned to do a, a butterfly twist kick because I saw Johnny Bosch do it as the Black Power Ranger, and I was like, "What is that?" And I just, just kept trying it, and yeah, I think that show between that and Ninja Turtles, those two, those two are like the foundation of my childhood for sure. It's funny. I've had people on the show before that love Power Rangers. And I was just a little bit too old to really appreciate that even if there was kind of that goofy, like, comedy they would do, like, there was some legit martial arts going on in this show, and I was just too cool to, like, notice this. Even though I was into, like, Jackie Chan and stuff by this point, I, yeah. I, if I would have just been like, you know what, I'll just ignore all the goofy comedy, but look at these legit, like, fights that are going on. I, I really feel like I missed something. Granted, the first couple of seasons, or the first season in particular, was very campy in the martial arts. But I feel like second season, in the middle, everything towards the middle, when Alpha Stunts got involved and they started doing some really like creative choreography and and, and fight styles, like that's when it really, I was really into it. Did did it make you want to learn martial arts when you were a kid? You know. By that time, I was already kind of in it. Ninja Turtles is what made me want to learn okay. martial arts. A uh, cartoon you're talking about? Um, actually, no, the 90, 1990 movie. Okay. I actually saw the movie. I actually saw the movie before I saw the cartoon. Okay, <laughs> I actually okay. So I saw Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in theaters, yeah. and I was like, "This is amazing!" Because yeah. you know, I'm starting to get into that Hong Kong style of fighting, and they're yeah. doing that in this movie while in these giant bulky costumes. It's pretty amazing. So that had to have right. sparked your uh, excitement when you saw that. 100%. I think, I'm pretty sure, uh, Ninja Turtles, the, the original 90s movie, is the first movie I ever saw. It's the first movie I remember seeing, 100%. Like, sure. I, know, I know I've seen other movies that came out probably before that, but I, my neighbor brought over a VHS of that, and I remember that being like a gift and me taking the VHS and putting it in the VCR and then coming on. And that's like my first memory of seeing a motion picture. So <laughs> I just, and then, yeah, I started taking martial arts when I was around five or six Taekwondo and I didn't really stay in it the whole way, but that's what sparked film, love for film, love for martial arts, all that stuff. What did, what did your mom think about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? You know, I don't remember a, a huge, uh, commentary from her about it. She she would let me watch it, you know. So when that movie first came out in the nineties, parents were like, "Oh my god, this is too violent!" So they made that second one. There's like no martial arts in it. It's just goofy. And I'm like, so yeah, I was just kind of curious, just to you know. But I heard about that, but I don't think I don't think my mom was a part of that. Um, I mean, I did like the second one too because uh, I enjoyed the Kino character a lot. Um, Ernie Reyes Jr., who I did end up meeting and become friends with later on in life, which was a nice full circle moment. Hell yeah. But, uh, but uh, yeah, between him doing all the stunts and Donatello on the first one and then him doing the live action stunts, you know, outside of the suit, like the whole Ninja Turtles era back then kind of like 
kick rock, you know, start started my whole martial arts love. And and uh, so, how far into martial arts did you get when you were a kid? So around five or six, I started taekwondo when I got to maybe maybe like orange belt. I didn't get that far, uh, and then I got out of it for a long time. And then around high school, I got back into it and got to maybe uh, a brown belt. Then, for financial reasons, got out of it again. And then, towards my adult years, there was a Taekwondo class in uh, in a Valley Total Fitness uh, gym that I was going to. And I got up to about a red belt in that. So, and other than that, it's just been watching clips and practicing at home and doing whatever. There's like a place out here called Jam Gym, uh-huh. uh, where like a lot of people, stunt guys train and just do stuff. And I'd go there every now and then and practice and learn things. I uh, I took one karate class when I was a kid after the Karate Kid came out, and it yeah. didn't stick. But like <laughs> I look back at it now, I'm just like, you know, if I knew then what I know now, yeah, I mean, I would have hundred percent like stuck it out. But like right. I don't know, I would have like been like, oh, let's try the different martial arts. Who knows? I could have be. I could be really cool right now, but instead I watch <laughs> a lot of the movies, and that's good enough for me, I guess. Yeah, I mean, hey, I mean, watching is good too. That's more, that's more so what I do nowadays, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, high school, obviously, at that point, you must have had a little bit more autonomy with how much you could watch. You know, you no longer had that hour limit. You know, so what right. what kind of movies were you watching in in high school? Uh by high school, I think I was full-fledged Jackie Chan fan um like I I made the discovery of Jackie Chan well you know what I think I remember my uncle having some kung fu movies and one of them may have been Fearless Hyena along with some other stuff Uh but this was before this was before he was introduced to uh America by Quentin Tarantino in the MTV Movie Awards in 95 so I remember those kung fu movies that he had that was it was most likely Jackie and some other stuff, but it was just all kung fu movies and you know, no recollection of who those people are. Uh-huh. But then once ninety-five happened and Jackie got his lifetime achievement award uh, from Quentin and they showed all those clips of like Drunken Master and um they had some other movie, they had like police story footage in there, you know, all these clips that I had never seen before, but some of them looked familiar. And I'm like, how is this guy getting a Lifetime Achievement Award? I've never seen it before. Where are all these movies? Right. You know? Yeah. <laughs> and then, and that was like an introduction to him for Rumble in the Bronx to come out. So I did see Rumble yeah. in the Bronx. And not in theaters, though. I had to wait for the VHS to come out. <laughs> but when I did finally see yeah. that, I was like, okay, this is like the best thing I'd ever seen, you know? And so I was... Your uncle liked martial arts movies then? So was your uncle the one who introduced you to martial arts movies? Uh, in a sense, because like, it was one of those things where, you know, he, he had a bunch of old VHSs and, you know, I, I didn't spend a whole lot of time over there, but I just remember particularly seeing, you know, those, those old school Bruce Lee movies and some other stuff too. Um, so my, I mean, my, my initial introduction to martial arts was around the same time that I saw Ninja Turtles. Ninja Turtles was like the full, full film that I saw, you know? Okay. Uh, so I was, uh, you were on, uh, another show and you were talking about, uh, the Lifetime Chima Award that he got at the MTV Movie Awards. And I rewatched it because, you know, at the time I remember watching and being like, I knew who he was already. And it was like, this is awesome. And then, yeah. 
Have you have you watched that clip recently? What is Tarantino talking about? He keeps calling him Jackie Chan. It's Jackie the weirdest. Chan. Have, we, have we been saying his wrong his name wrong this whole time? Or no, we've it... been saying it right. I don't know what Quinn was on that day. Oh, it was. I'll never That's forget how weird it was. But man, the I I had seen some movies, but not all of them. Obviously, at that point. But uh, yeah. that uh, editing for that little clip of all the different movies was it was just awesome you know yeah. uh was did you recognize uh editing at that point or is are you still a little bit away from the behind the scenes stuff of movies and things i don't think i was ever really away from the behind the scenes stuff because the because what attracted me to filmmaking and ninja turtles when i first saw it was behind the scenes stuff but i didn't know exactly what it was you know so I've always had a fascination for the editing, even when I had a VHS camcorder at age seven and would film different things and cut them together, you know, with another VCR. So I kind of had the concept of editing, but not really, you know, separating it from, you know, filmmaking, directing or anything else. It's just like, I just want to make this movie happen, you know? So I noticed the, the artistry in it because I, I still remember that edit of that Lifetime Achievement Award uh, clip, you know? Because I remember the music stopping right when Jackie was doing his little leg move and Drunken Master before he kicked the guy. So that always made an impact on me, on just like the the pacing of that that piece. Yeah, I do remember that. Because I think it started off with uh, uh, Kung Fu Fighting, the Carl Franklin yeah. song, or not, uh-huh. whatever his name is. And then yeah. it switched to the uh, Rob Zombie song. And uh, uh-huh. But I, it, I think it was... Uh, yeah, and he he uh, double punched the boobs in Armor of God. Yeah. I think is yeah the yeah, the, the switch. <laughs> I, I I was uh, like that. I remember uh, that was. I had to imagine someone who had never seen his movies before, just being delighted by just how amazing he did these fights, but also how goofy it was. Because if you didn't yeah. know, you know all that comedy stuff. That was an excellent introduction. They 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 timed that very well. That was very good. <laughs> now you. Uh, you mentioned the camcorder. So you were making movies like yourself with it when you were younger. How did you get a hold of the camcorder? Did somebody give it to my, you? Or? My grandmother bought that for me for my seventh birthday. And it was like the greatest thing. <laughs> so yeah, I would just record. I'd film everything. Like I, I, so I'm an only child. So I didn't really like play with other people as much. Okay. So I'd have a lot of stuffed animals. And I'd play Power Rangers and other kinds of things and set them up and just... <laughs> film all kinds of nonsense you know and then yeah like use another vcr to cut it together so that, i i used to do the the uh, vhs vhs thing but that was just to steal movies it wasn't to actually do <laughs> yeah. editing uh until i went to college when i had some editing classes but uh that must have been really fun just to kind of have your imagination rolling to make these movies it was i wish i still had the tapes i don't know where they are but like it would probably be some some serious nonsense <laughs> oh I, i'm sure like uh you know if you if you keep getting you know more and more uh famous in in the industry man that that could have been worth something but now they're <laughs> somewhere in somewhere <laughs> I, I that'd be really funny if like somebody found those tapes somehow that would just, be, that'd be really nice they wouldn't know where it was who it was but it'd be out there and someone's watching it going what's with the stuffed animals right <laughs> <laughs> and and so did filming all that kind of stuff continue as you kind of grew up or did you get away from 
that stuff at some point. No, I think it's it sticks around. It's it's a good practice. I mean, I still make home movies with my iPhone with my kids. <laughs> you know, just shooting stuff. And my my daughter Stephen likes to make shit edit stuff with iMovie because she she's into that stuff now. Oh, like, nice. Uh, yeah, she's really into it. It's really cool because um, when she was around five or six, uh, Joseph Kahn put her in a couple of the commercials that I was editing. So she got a little taste of it. We didn't pr- fully pursue the whole child acting thing, but she got a little taste of being on set and stuff. So it was fun. So, and like now I'm still, uh, I'm currently editing uh, a film that we shot, Joseph and I, um, back in Houston this past summer. So I've been cutting at home and doing all the posts. And so my daughter comes in every now and then and like watches all the green screen stuff. And it's like, what's that supposed to be? And I like tell her. So kind of looking forward to it being done so she can see the finished product. Yeah, that's that's pretty cool that you are got uh, uh, at least one kid that's really into what you're doing. And I, yeah, you know, so you know, kind of keeping that sort of family thing alive. I think that's pretty great. Um, totally. Now, now we we talked uh, once before, and you said you really liked working in the movie theater. So, when did you? What was your first movie theater job? I want to I want to talk a little about about that experience. Yes, man. I mean, besides editing, the movie theater was my favorite and best job, like, of all time. I worked at two theaters. So um, when I was in high school, my sophomore year, I got a job at Cinemark. And I worked that entire sophomore year, probably in the session and box office, before I even made it up to the projection booth, because you had to kind of work your way up. And, you know, a lot of people didn't even really care about it. They didn't want to go up there. But that was, like, what I wanted to do, you know? And then... I don't really know how they show movies now, but back then when you had to actually build up the film prints and cut together trailer packs, like splice all this stuff in, that was like the dream. That was basically makeshift editing, you know, and just like the fact that you're presenting a presentation to a bunch of people and they're enjoying it, you know? Um, Yeah, because there was still a film at this point, right? They were still showing on film. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was all film. They sent them in, uh, they sent the uh, film reels and canisters and you had to uh, splice each reel together and put physically put the trailers on uh yeah it was it was and i was working at a how many theaters it was a 24 theater megaplex and uh, yeah and sometimes weekends mostly is when they'd have two projectionists doing each side but during the week it was just one person so i had to run all those theaters so it was it was pretty cool so you actually had to be the one for all 24 screens to put everything together, splice it, make sure it was all good to go. And also you prayed that two shows didn't have the same showtime, I'm assuming. Oh, they had the same showtimes plenty of times. <laughs> one of them would just be like two minutes late. <laughs> oh, that explains a lot, actually. I think there's... Yeah. <laughs> that is... Yeah. That is... Uh, I there was, a, there was a brief period where I was like, oh man, that'd be really fun to do. But like it was probably really hard to get into because like you said you started at the low level right and kind of yeah. worked your way up and i just mm-hmm. i couldn't i just didn't have that yeah <laughs> that... i mean yeah working 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 with the popcorn would definitely make people not want to stay if you're not <laughs> if you're not into right. it <laughs> so then you must have gotten to see a lot of movies in theaters then yeah i think so the pretty much all the movies that came out from like 2000 uh so, so the year that rush hour came out that's that was like my first year. Oh no no, Rush Hour two, two uh, thousand one. So when Rush Hour two came out is the year I started at Cinemark, and I was at Cinemark until I graduated. Uh, 
and then I ended up um, going to film school, moving away and everything. I came back uh, and didn't really get into film that much after I graduated. So I just went back to a movie theater job, started working at AMC instead of Cinemark. And I was at AMC for a good two or three years um, before I got an opportunity to move to Atlanta to pursue some film stuff. But yeah, so between Cinemark and my time at AMC, I was I was seeing a lot of movies at the theater, either while working or I'd get off of work and just like watch it properly. <laughs> yeah, because uh, when you're doing the projectioning stuff, you only get that little screen, right? I'm assuming. So yeah, so yeah. <laughs> it's weird. Like there, some theaters are set up differently. The at Cinemark, there was actually a door you could open and you could like actually watch it with like hear all the people in the in the auditorium. Um, but you couldn't do it for too long because if it's a quiet scene, then everyone's hearing the projection room. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so every, every now and then I would like, if it's like a opening night, rush hour two or some comedy, I'd open the screen just to like hear the audience reactions yeah. to like movies and stuff like that, that I'd, you know, shut it and walk away. But, um, and then they also had a, a, a speaker on the console that controls the volume in the theater. So you can kind of sit there and hear it too, but not really a ideal way to watch a movie. Sure. So I just would go around and check on it. Plus, you don't really have time to sit and watch a whole movie because you're also running the whole theater. Yeah. And uh, there's there's a lot of problems that could happen with film projectors, with static and film getting caught. And there was a lot of that stuff happening too. So every now and then I find a break to take a peek, but there was never really a time to watch you know, a whole film. Yeah, it's not the same now as it used to be because obviously a lot of things is digital projection. So you know, I don't even know what they had that they just have one person just sitting in a chair with a play button i guess i don't know how it works Probably, but... <laughs> you know I, i'd be really curious to find i should look it up so i'm sure it's on someone's youtube but i, I don't even know what a projection booth looks like nowadays <laughs> I, I was i was just at a, a 24-hour horror movie marathon in chicago at the place called the music box and it, almost every movie was in 35 millimeter oh, and great. uh there's just something about the sound and like mm-hmm. the picture, everything just feels a little bit different. And it's something I definitely miss with movies totally. nowadays. You know, like yeah. I don't even think any movie that you work on now will even get a 35 millimeter showing as much. Well, you know, the New Beverly Quentin's Theater, they still show movies yeah. on film. So that's, I got a chance to go watch um, Rumble and Bronx and First Strike, like the original Hong Kong print, like uh, a couple of months ago. And that was, that was great. And they show, some new movies sometimes right. too so i if i had more of a chance to go out there and catch a movie i definitely would watch more movies there oh yeah i'm always jealous uh whatever uh my friend uh aaron who i think you've met before uh gets to go to see like some of these hong kong movies in the new yeah. beverly i'm like I wanna go. <laughs> yeah I'm, i've never seen the original cut of first strike and rumble in the bronx so i'm jealous that you Got Man, to see if that. you get a chance, <laughs> if anything, see the original cut of Rumble the Bronx. They cut so much out of that movie they, for New Line Cinema. Yeah, I. It's I, you talked about it on another podcast. Um, yeah. Movies of Chaos that Mark Palermo oh, does, and uh, yeah. you guys talk about the differences. And I've seen a clip of the theatrical or the original fight, and I'm like, yeah. I don't why, why even bother? Just it was fine the way it was. Come on. Yeah, I don't understand. Like, sometimes I understand when they cut certain story beats out because it only, like, relate to the Asian market and America wouldn't get it. But, like, to cut scene parts out of a fight scene, 
of a Jack and Chan fight just seems like sacrilege. What's the point? Like, that's the reason we're going to see the movie. Right. Like, you've already made the movie shorter with the unneeded dialogue scene, but you have more time to fight now. So, right. Uh, so, you went to film school then. Like, well, how yeah. did you come to that decision and where did you go? Well, I always tell people this I always wanted to go to USC. And it was a school that I think, you know, John Singleton went to. Um, it's just a place that I keep hearing about great filmmakers going to. And unlike the majority of my counterparts and my friends at uh, my high school, they applied to so many different backup colleges to get into school. I only had my eyes set on USC. And then I didn't get in. So then I was like, oh, well, no. now what do I do? Oh, no. <laughs> so, so, yeah, then I found about found out about Full Sail, which was like, um, at the time that I went, um, it seemed like they were just getting started. It's like a trade school. They do film, recording arts, animation. That's That's in pretty Florida, good right? Florida? In Florida. Right. Uh, I, I like wrestling and WWE did their NXT shows there for a while. I don't know if they still do oh, or not. Sweet. But they, oh, yeah, I don't know. They, they used all like the school production people and, and to do a lot of their stuff. And I thought that was pretty cool to yeah like full self is legit like you know that's that was a it definitely you is lucked out by going there you know i mean when i went there i think they were still figuring things out because when i went there it was called full so uh real world education they offered an associate's degree which is what i have um but then later on they turned into full cell university they have a full-fledged um bachelor's degree program and a lot of more updates um you know back when i went we we're still shooting stuff on film and there was a whole class called digital cinematography, which that class is obsolete now because everything's digital now, you know. So most of the things I learned when I went, I don't think is a thing anymore. Uh, but I did learn Avid, and that helped me out when I moved to LA. So, and when you when you moved to LA, did you uh, finish school at that point, or were you? Oh yeah. So when I finished school in two thousand four. I wasn't doing anything film related until at least 2008 or nine. I, I went, like I said, I went back to, after film school, I went back to Texas and got a regular job, went back to the movie theaters and worked in projection for a long period of time. And then um, uh, it was some friends from film school that I got in touch with that we decided to move to Atlanta and try to do some things out there, which also didn't work too well. Um, but it was during all these trial and error filmmaking endeavors that I met Joseph Kahn on the internet and developed that relationship that uh, caused me to move to LA to start actually doing some stuff in film. So how, how did you find him on the internet? Was it just like a, a message board for like movies or something? And you didn't even realize exactly who it was? What it was. Exactly what it was. So um, while I was at Full Sail, um, uh, I saw his movie Torque, which was his first studio movie, uh, 2004 motorcycle movie, and uh, it was the best thing I ever seen. So I, I went, I went on IMDb and was trying to find out more about it. Everyone else on IMDb did not like the movie, so I felt like I needed to school everyone else on why the movie was the best thing ever made. <laughs> I think it's and like so, you and Outlaw Burn were like the two Torque torch bears. <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah, we're the only smart ones. So, so I've we, actually, we I've still have never seen it. By the way, I don't know why. Oh, I just haven't. Treat, treat yourself. I know. See, I'm going to do that now. That's for this month. I'm going to watch Torque. It's actually months. the perfect time to do it now, since yeah. the, since it was making the movie was making fun of Fast and Furious, and now Fast and Furious has basically become Torque. 
<laughs> right? Yeah, I'm gonna so, check it out and and, and so, finally yeah. finally be the third torchbearer. No, it's <laughs> it's definitely gotten a a reevaluation. I think. Uh, yeah. I know there's another group of men. Somebody watched it recently, and they were talking about it. And I think people appreciate it a lot more now. Sometimes we're just not ready for things yet, like in yeah, Back to the Future. You know? Exactly. <laughs> but no, yeah, that's that's pretty much that's because what that's what sparked uh, you know the relationship between me and Joseph. We just kind of like saw things eye to eye and. Uh, kind of grew from there. What what was the what was the uh, the bonding moment that you guys had? Do you remember? Um, basically, uh, after I was telling everybody off on IMDb, uh, I just left it at that. Like you know, just didn't think anything about it. You know, fast forward to like 2008. Um, found I found him on MySpace and didn't know if it was really him or not. So I just sent the message like, "Hey, I'm a big fan of your work." You know didn't think anything of it. He wrote me back, like, I remember you from IMDb. <laughs> and then That's we just amazing. <laughs> so, I, yeah, we just... In my head, most bad things happen on those message boards, but here's at least one good thing that came from that place is right. the, the friendship <laughs> you guys made. And so, uh, what what was the uh, the first thing that you uh, worked with him on? Um, so the first, I think the first thing that I did um actually so Eminem Love the Way You Lie is the first thing that I was a PA on for him and that was before I had even moved to California I was visiting and we were already um internet friends at that point and I told him hey I'm gonna be in California visiting my cousin can I you know come see what you're doing and he was like I can't have any visitors on set but you can work if you want to I was like well that's even better you know so <laughs> yeah he let me PA for that that day he was shooting and then during lunch, he was like, hey, if you ever find a way to move out here, you know, we'll find you work and everything, you know. I said, okay, well, I got to find a way to move out here. When I moved back, when I went back to Detroit, where I was living at the time, I got a PA job on Real Steel, Sean Levy's robot boxing movie. Yeah, that's uh, one of the first things it says on IMDb that you've done. Like, they don't say all these other things. They're like, Real Steel, <laughs> like the very first thing you see on the floor. Yeah. Like, you've come I mean, a long way since then. I was probably the biggest PA job I've ever had for sure. And then, um, yeah, but that movie basically paid for me to move to LA. And then nice. I, that's when I started working with Joseph. And then I got, I was working, I was his PA on commercials and everything. And I think the very first thing I edited though was probably um, the detention trailer for his movie. Because yeah. that was, I did that for fun because he had shown me a rough cut because he had just finished um, filming the movie and there was a rough cut and he was showing everyone at his house. And I asked if I could play around with the trailer. And he's like, oh, yeah, sure. You know, didn't think anything of it, you know. And then he saw the first, like, rough draft of it. And he's like, well, this is really good. Why aren't you editing? It's like, I don't know. So you should edit. Finish this. And so that was, like, my first legit edit trailer that, presentation. It's, that's funny. You kind of went from editing your own little videos with the VHS to VHS. And I'm pretty sure that's not how you edited the trailer <laughs> for detention, I'm assuming, right? Right. <laughs> It's funny too. I had a uh, Mark Palermo on my show, and he wrote Detention. So yeah. somehow this is like the Detention podcast. I got to get yeah. other people from that movie on my on my show to to, <laughs> to change. You know, uh, what was that experience like working on the trailer? And I think you did stuff with Mark. For, for yeah, the we did. Uh, uh, yeah, that, we did the uh, cheat mode, um, which is the behind the scenes video commentary, but slash documentary, which I don't think. There's been a couple of those on other movies, but it was really fun because it was a video commentary, but it was also a behind the scenes documentary. So I was basically cutting like a full fledged feature 
alongside the movie. And that was that was a lot of fun because um, I don't think I'd ever edited anything that long before. <laughs> so, you know, it was it was a fun process. Uh, Mark and I would just sit down and find different outtakes to use and cut to. And then he and Joseph did interviews with all the cast and the crew and everything. We cut those together. So, yeah, that was pretty fun. I, I think you can still find that. I think the uh, the Blu-ray has all that kind of stuff on it. Yeah. Still, Blu-ray so that's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because sometimes though some will go out of print and then they just it just goes away. But you you still have that, which is cool. Yeah. So when you went to school, what was your goal originally to get into business? Did you want to direct? Were you like what was your ultimate goal? Honestly, had no idea. That was the, I think that was the problem as to why I didn't really like start doing anything until two thousand nine, two thousand ten, because I went to film school and. For knowing that I loved filmmaking, so they had classes on directing. I'm like, oh, I want to direct, and they had classes on uh, screenwriting. I'm like, oh, I can write a script. <laughs> and so, you know, they teach. Well, they had a class on um, lighting and stuff too. And I never wanted to be a DP. I think that's something I know I couldn't do. <laughs> that's yeah. way above my head. Um, but a lot yeah, of it was just yeah. yeah. So I didn't really have a plan or an angle. I just knew I wanted to be in film. So that's why I ended up doing a lot of PA jobs um, and not really going into anything, but then always just like shooting and editing my own little fun things on the side, which ended up making me go back to regular jobs and work at the theater, but just always doing film stuff for fun, which I think ultimately helped me because when I did meet Joseph, I had a bunch of stuff that I had just done for fun and kind of, you know, liked that kind of stuff. So, yeah. So editing, though, that's like what you're like mostly known for now. And and that just was because you were just messing around with doing the trailer stuff, you know, but like, uh, have you been learning just by just doing it a lot? Or did you have like any like mentors or anything that kind of helped you out? Well, yes, I've been learning every day and I still learn. I still learn. I mean, I think cinema is a ever learning like art anyway. You can't ever say you know it all technology is always changing you know people are changing everything's changing you know apple updates happen every two months so you have to learn new things <laughs> you know what i mean so i think you know my, my mentors have been inadvertently joseph you know from watching his work uh you know jackie chan watching his work i, I have but i actually have a uh, a mentor recently um uh elizabeth rodham's daughter who's the editor of the first John Wick. She also cut Bullet Train and Shang-Chi. Um, she helped me get uh, my first action movie um, a couple years ago. And it's because she saw some stuff that I posted on the internet, you know? And she said, hey, pretty good. You wanna, do you ever want to edit a movie? And I'm like, of course I do, you know? <laughs> so I mean, that's a, a great movie. editor to have as a mentor because those movies she's edited are edited like precision is great on, on that stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, just, just sitting down with her, when I met with her, she was currently working on, um, at the time, Bullet Train, and we were talking about the film that she was uh, recommending me for, and we sat and talked about, like, you know, concepts and how to structure story, and just a conversation with her over an hour felt like film school, you know? So, it was just, it's one of those things where you couldn't put a price on it. What uh, what was the first uh, feature you got to edit? First feature 
Um, well, I've edited a couple indie small features that are on my IMDb page, but they aren't that great. So I hope that no one ever watches them. But yeah, I, I, I see I see one when I was looking through IMDb before and I saw one I was like, and I saw the trailer. I was like, well, you know, it's experience. Exactly. So the first feature that I claim would be Bodied, which was a film that I did for uh, Joseph, the Battle Rap movie. Uh, it's the first film that went to theaters and everything. So yeah, that was that was a, a very good experience, you know, doing something like that. Yeah. Body is a really underrated film. I don't I feel like not enough people know about it. Like it feels like it still kind of flies under the radar. What what uh what was the what make uh god, what's the question I'm thinking of? Basically, what is it about the editing in that movie that that uh works to make the the film the way it is? Cuz it's it's a it's like a pretty uh unique movie in many ways. So, what uh like, what were the lessons and stuff like you learned from editing that took our Well, the movie? thing is, it was a very tricky thing to do because we've had 8 Mile. It's, you know, produced by the same person who stars in 8 Mile because it's a battle rap film, but we're doing battle raps without music. So, um, which is definitely a, a very popular right now. Um, but when I read the script, they had the battle raps all in there and originally when I was reading it I said oh this is going to be all to music and then Joseph's like no this is uh this is all acapella I was like, oh how's that going to work so the whole thing is creating rhythm with the with the battle rap bars and, and the atmosphere without the music and of course at the very end we kind of like introduce some kind of rocky style music kind of give it a cinematic feel but the whole thing that Joseph wanted me to do was he said treat the battle raps like a boxing scene you know so they're throwing jabs at each other with their words and you want to kind of feel that same energy. So that was something fun to do because you know, when I edited with Joseph, I edited on set and that was an interesting film to cut on set because we had multiple cameras running at the same time. So it was fun to try and feel a rhythm and capture everything at the same time. So it was quite hectic. <laughs> okay, so I, I, I don't know so how this works. So you're editing on set. What does that mean? You have like your computer set up right there? Is it yeah. on a laptop? Because I'm, you know, it's, you're in different locations all the time. Yeah, like, I just, how, what's I the process? Around. So um, basically, I'm capturing uh, whenever they watch footage or whenever they're filming anything, they're looking at it from like a VTR monitor, and I'm capturing that footage as he's shooting it, and basically cutting it together as fast as I can in between setups. You know what I mean? And then of course later on we fine tune things when we're not on set, but it gives a basic flow and structure of what the edit would be. A lot of times on music videos or commercials, I have a rough cut of whatever it is we're shooting by the time we wrap. But really? it's always just like a rough sequence of what it, what it's gonna look like, you know? How how long did it take to film Bodied? Like what was- Bodied was, was a 26 day shoot. 26 days, which is, yeah. you know, when people think of movies, they're like, oh, it takes months to film movies. But like a lot of movies, 26 days is not a lot, so I would imagine film, editing on set probably helps with that a lot, too, to kind of yes. to know what you need yeah. and don't need. Because mm-hmm, right. we, we did have to do a couple reshoots, but it was it was uh, due to some technical issues and um, things like that, but for the most part, we got everything we needed on the day because of the onset, so we knew when we were done. Well, that, that's definitely one of the positives to going to digital. Then, because yeah. there's no way you could have done that when you were on film. 
actually, Joseph's been doing that method with all of his editors since like 20, 2001 while he was shooting on film. Like he, he just take, you take him, because you know, even back when they were shooting on film, they had a video feed, you know, and the editor would take that video feed and cut things together. He'd eventually overcut with the, with the actual footage, but you get the actual image and cut the sequence together. So yeah, that, he's been using that method for a while. It's just that, gotten fine-tuned with the technology. Yeah, it's a lot faster now, yeah. I would imagine that skill has really kind of helped you with uh, all the different like music videos and stuff you've been working on in your career. I say it does help when I get jobs that aren't with Joseph and it's just, you know, regular footage getting sent to me because I'm used to getting footage at such quick speeds and making quick decisions that I, I end up getting edits done a little quicker than they'd expect, you know. <laughs> so, so, so is your studio... Or you edit at your house when you do most of your stuff? Where's, where do you do most of your editing at? I work a lot from home ever since 2020 and the lockdown happened and everyone kind of just like went their separate ways. Uh, I still work for um, Cosmo Street, which is the editorial company. We do commercials, music videos, features. Um, but um, the office is in Santa Monica, California, and I moved like two hours north to like a smaller town. Um, so I do a lot of work from home. Then I go into town to be on set or I'll go to Santa Monica if I'm working with like an ad agency. Sure. But yeah, most of the time I'm here at home. Nice. That's, <laughs> that's one of the nice things about, uh, I don't, I had another editor on my show and she does all her stuff at home. It's, it's nice to be able to have, to be there for like, you know, if your family needs you and stuff like that, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it, it is really nice. It, <laughs> it's, uh, it's the best of both worlds because yeah, I don't have to travel into work every day. But when I do have to go to work, then it's like a pretty a, a trek. <laughs> it's yeah. a pretty, oh, pretty it's, long drive. I've I've heard stories. <laughs> yeah, I haven't been to LA in a very long time, but I've heard stories. Yeah. Uh, what was the first music video you edited? The first one was was actually a Japanese video for a band called AKB48, which I don't know if they're still a thing, but uh, yeah, we shot it in Japan. It was Joseph Khan in Japan um completely in japanese and yeah that was the very first music video and then after that it was robbie williams so we went from japan to london and that was like all within two weeks <laughs> oh that's that is definitely a different uh culture right there yeah uh, but like uh did you do you love uh film uh editing music videos like because you've done a lot of them so you must like them a little bit they are fun. I mean, um, it depends on the director. Right now, I've only been doing videos for either Joseph or Taylor. Uh, I've been mostly I'm doing commercials these days, um, which is a lot of fun, a lot more fun than people think. If you think commercials are, you know, something you just like pass, you know, change the channel or mute, but like a lot of times there could be a lot of fun filmmaking done in 30 seconds, you know? Yeah. So I, I, I kind of get a kick out of that sometimes too. Well, that's good. I mean, yeah, to be successful, you also got to kind of be like a working editor, for for example, you know. So, like, and it, any uh, thing you work on is going to be a learning experience too. So, like, if somebody was like starting out in the business and they're like, "Oh, I don't want to do commercials," you would probably say, "Hey, do the commercials." I'm I'm guessing. Ah, uh, yeah, commercials <laughs> pay a lot better than music videos. Number one, <laughs> that's good. So, <laughs> so you, gotta you, make, get you gotta make work, money, yeah. Uh, yeah don't, don't do this for don't, free I'm not the, commercials. <laughs> the only the only job that i i think it's okay to work for free is be a, a podcaster because because <laughs> there's no money in this at all 
Yeah. Or, or, or <laughs> hey, I mean, do some short films or do even feature films. That I think that's even more valuable to if you. It's nice to get paid for it, but something like that <laughs> doing for free actually helps you in the long run. In some, in something like that, you know, on your reel. So. Uh, so obviously Joseph Kahn is uh, like like the person that kind of got you introduced to Taylor Swift, and yeah. I don't I don't want to get like too deep in the weeds here with Taylor Swift because I don't want this to turn <laughs> the Taylor Swift podcast. But what I find it's interesting is she's directing a lot more of her videos now, yeah. And you are you're editing a lot of her videos. Did you edit the first thing music video she directed? Yes, it was uh, the man. Okay, so how how much was that a collaborative effort uh, between you guys? For her being her first her first video directing, that must have been a little bit nerve wracking. I'm guessing. Honestly, she is a well oiled machine. She knows exactly what she's doing. By the time she directed her first video, she had already been on countless music video sets herself, and she's seen the process, and she had seen the process between Joseph and I you know, editing on set and piecing things together. Her concepts are already top notch. She storyboards everything she wants to do. And, you know, I cut together animatics for her videos. And so we basically shoot for the animatic. We deviate from that, depending on whatever she wants to do on set. And I mean, it, it really was a very smooth transition for her. She, she didn't carry herself like a first time director at all. She knew exactly what she wanted and she, she got it. Yeah, that's uh, it's it's pretty cool. Uh, when you know you you have like one idea, like oh, they're just a singer or whatever, but like she's like a like a mogul almost. Like she she does oh, a yeah. lot of this stuff. She uh, knows what she's... So this is this is why the question I have. All right, so uh, her music video that you edited for uh, I could see you has martial arts in it, right? Yes. Does she like martial arts movies? Or was that your idea? Like, hey, you got to get some fighting in one of your movies. Like, what's? I want to know the backstory behind this video. Definitely wasn't my idea, but it just so happened to be one of the favorite things that I've done. And it just, when I saw Taylor Lautner in the storyboards, I was like, well, I'm going to enjoy this, you know? (laughs) (laughs) No, what happened with that is, uh, I think that story came about because of, you know, it being her being rescued from the vault. That's the storyline. And I think, you know, you know, her and her and Taylor Lautner have a history and Taylor had always said that Taylor Lautner had always said that he wished that he could have done something differently when that whole Kanye West thing happened. So this was like a whole and I think even um uh you have the other actress in the uh Joy King, she was, has history from another Taylor Swift video. So it was kinda like a, a history type of video where everyone's coming back to kinda like rescue Taylor. I think that's where that came from. And um she got um, she got the DP who did a Bullet Train um, and the Fall Guy to to shoot this, and so we just wanted to do a big action piece. And you know, Taylor Lautner was the perfect person to do it, and she knew that Taylor could do it. You know, so that's how that happened. Did, okay, so who did the choreography for the the video for the action scenes? That was. Let's see, make sure I say the name right. Hold on one second. Uh, one second. It's okay. I can 
I do a little bit of audio editing myself. I I like to think of myself as the Chancellor Haynes of podcast editing. No, I'm not. Uh, Charlie Mayhew. She's a she's a uh, choreographer and movement director. She's very good. She had a she she did a very very nice previs um, of the whole fight scene, and we were very good with like sticking to most of the previs in the in the final edit. So I. Uh, side note: I love hearing uh, about female uh, fight coordinators. Uh, I I just I, I don't know. I think that's great because they bring a different uh, thing to to the fights that I've noticed in, in the past. Yeah. So because I, I I watched the video and I you know the the you know the the fights are good you know and like Joey King I mean she did the princess so she's obviously done some some fighting yeah. before. You know, but that must have been like fun for you to 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 edit martial arts and absolutely. And now you got to edit a another martial arts movie recently called Layers of Lies. Yes. Uh, tell us a little bit about that because it's got a really cool backstory on it. Yeah, uh, I mean, uh, I was brought this film by Elizabeth Ronald's daughter, who saw a uh, little. Spider-Man music video that I made with friends and I posted it on Twitter and she hit me up was like hey this is really good you know you ever think about editing movies you know told you that whole story so she introduced me to uh, Raman uh, Sarab and he was trying to get more editing done on the film he had a rough done a rough edit done uh, by his editor who was from Iran um, but he was happy with it, but he wanted to see if he can go further. He wanted to see if he could, you know, re- remove some story, make the action a little bit better. So he brought it to Elizabeth at first, but she was busy on bullet train. So that's when she introduced me. And so um, after I sat with her and we talked about like the rough assembly that was done, um, you know, I ended up meeting ramen and we had like almost the same conversation and just trying to figure out what it is that he wanted out of the film and what i could bring to it and i did a whole second pass and with that second pass i was actually more so trying to impress elizabeth more than i was trying to impress ramen (laughs) you know so and i succeeded i impressed i impressed elizabeth and in turn impressed ramen and we just kind of moved forward with you know fine-tuning that second version and kind of combining what I did with what um, the editor in Iran did. Yeah, we, we finished it back in 2021, and so it did a, a huge festival run. And um, I think it's supposed to be getting some streaming news sometime next year, early next year. Yeah, I'm very excited to see it. Just uh, even from the backstory of of, of the, him being, uh, was it German and Iranian? And, um, uh, Finnish, Finnish. Finnish, that's what it is, yeah. Finnish Iranian. Yeah. Which is... Uh, I again, I'm a, I'm a big uh, geek for uh, martial arts from different places you don't think of, you know. Yeah. They're like, oh, this is like a new thing, so I'm very yeah. excited to watch that one. Yeah, it's definitely he definitely is representing his culture in the movie. It definitely it feels like a different movie, like it it feels like a Finnish Iranian movie, but it's it's really different than what you would expect because like his locations that he was able to get are all like really beautiful <laughs> and. You know, and his action is the movie. When he tells the story of all the stuff that it went through for him to get it made, like he's been working on this movie for 10 years because he broke his leg 
That was died. Pure ja- <laughs> yeah. Pure Jackie Chan, like getting hurt, getting up, trying to finish the movie, putting on a cast to finish shooting the movie. You know, he had to, he was like, you know, gained weight because he had to stop filming for some reasons. He got arrested. He was in jail. You know, this movie <laughs> went through so much to get made. And then, yeah. you know, it's just, you just kind of have to admire like what he's gone through to try to get that movie done. His first movie. So it's, it's pretty cool. So what are your goals in the future? Like, what are you working towards? Like, what, like, what, what, like, what is, what do you see your future like? Honestly, I feel like I'm in the future. Uh, Tomorrow I turn 40. So I think I'm at the age where I I don't have any, like, five-year, 10-year goals. I'm actually really happy where I'm at right now. I cut commercials, you know, when I, in between films. But right now, I'm still working on the film that Joseph and I did in Houston. So we're going to be on, in post on that until, you know, middle of next year. So I enjoy the, the balance of doing films and commercials in between. And uh, I say, if anything, my goal is to do more movies every now and then and just enjoy watching movies. I really enjoy watching movies. Sure. Uh, I'm anxious for the age of my daughter getting to where I can take her to see PG-13 movies and even radar movies. Right now, we're stuck to like Marvel and kids movies at the theater, but like soon I can start taking her to like movies that Elizabeth edits, you know? <laughs> what, it, what is she into, your your daughter? What kind of movies does she like? What's her jam? Right now, so she's slowly starting to get into, like she likes the Marvel stuff. She likes mostly kids stuff. Like I have an even younger daughter who's like all animation. It's not animated, she doesn't care. Sure. So, but like the oldest is kind of in that line where she kind of likes the Jurassic Park movies too. So she likes creatures and she likes things like that, you know. So, uh, I'm hoping that you know I can be able to start taking her to more uh, upbeat movies and more movies that aren't just like kids movies or just Marvel movies. And, and does she want to get into uh, the business? Has she talked about kind of stuff or? She got her own thing going on. You know, I don't know if she's even thought thought of it career wise. Right now, oh, she's just she, like let her be a kid too, right? <laughs> exactly. So like now she thinks it's fun because like uh, she has a she has a little like non connected to any surface cell one of my old cell phones that she can like shoot things with and play with uh, her iMovie app. So she likes doing stuff like that just on her own. But like, I don't think she's thinking of it as a career. My youngest especially doesn't. I heard the story uh, last week, my youngest daughter, she's in first grade, and the teacher asked her uh, about like my career or my or her mom's career. And it's like, well, my dad doesn't work. He just he just plays on the computer. <laughs> oh, she's not technically <laughs> wrong. Not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> that's, I mean, you know, that's, that's not the worst job to have, right? <laughs> yeah, I guess not. <laughs> What uh? So you you you're still doing well. You're, you're very successful and everything like that. But there's young people coming up. You know what? What would you tell somebody who's like, I want to get in the business, but I don't know what to do. Like you know what? Yeah. Like what are you know how do how do people get into this thing nowadays? You know that's a good question because I feel like the answer to that changes every other decade because nowadays got kids who are almost better at editing than me on TikTok, you know, you got stuff on YouTube. Oh, yeah. You don't really need a doorway into the industry. You just need someone to see the right thing and 
<laughs> give you an endorsement deal and you're already off to the races. You know what I mean? Um, I say my best advice is networking with the people you admire or with anyone really. Because I mean, it's, it's the people that get you into the door and then the stuff that you know once you're in there is what keeps you in, keeps you in the door, you know? Because um, my whole way of getting into filmmaking was all relationship-based, you know? I mean, I had some skills to back it up, but the initial chances were given to me based on just people that I met, people that I talked to, you know? There's a lot of times that people will meet people but not have the skills to back it up. So I say just keep honing all your skills, practicing, learn the craft and when when the opportunity shows itself you'll be ready for it well i was definitely ready for it when i asked if you wanted to be on my show and he said yes so i really appreciate you being here my man <laughs> yeah we all gotta right. shut out the action for every on uh discord man that's uh that's where all the, the fun fun happens <laughs> absolutely uh yeah so chancellor thank you so much for uh, being on my show i really appreciate it and uh all the best for your continued success here and uh, the future. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. You're welcome, and have a good night, everybody. Everybody was kung fu fighting. Those kids were fast as lightning. In fact, it was a little bit frightening. But they fought with